Hi, I'm Tefra Jemian. And I'm Hannah Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! yeah! You guys, like, I know, I feel like everyone else on the network, they, like, I think the Scrum's the only podcast that doesn't, like, when they do the recording, have the intro play as Mm. uh, they start. Like, we don't, we don't, we only add the music stuff, like, after. We, we used to not, and then one episode, we, like, were making chair noises while we were recording our intro, and then Tom started playing the music for us before we record so that we wouldn't yeah. do that. It's our, it's our, oh. it's our get to uh, get our shit together music. Oh. Yeah, that's so exactly it doesn't, it's, it's not in the recording. Okay, because like you guys do it, uh, UFD does it. I wonder if Candace does it. I, I don't, know. don't think Candace does it. Okay, um, Sorry we have both been on her show, and I don't remember. I've never remember. been on it. Sorry to nitpick so. out. Sorry to nitpick no, out. No, specific no, it's okay. It's a good audio. point, and the point is that um, we need get your shit together music. <laughs> we do. <laughs> It's it's important. (laughs) So we're joined in studio today by Julian McKenzie. Julian is a um, freelance journalist here in Montreal. He's also the director of programming at the Upford Network and is the uh, one of the hosts of the Scrum podcast, um, which was one of the first shows on the network, uh, which he does with Tristan D'Amour. Julian's also a good friend of my partner and mine and the godfather of our upcoming baby. Um, Hannah is the godmother, so we have a little... Oh, yeah, we got the, the little, god, little god, god right. family here. <laughs> um, Julian, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me. So, pleasure and an honor to be on uh, the uh, podcast. Good it's time. lit. <laughs> oh. oh, nice. That was I, good. I see what I see you did. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just plugged that once. <laughs> well, we missed out on that tagline. We missed yeah, out on we that Yeah, we really did. <laughs> Damn it. You can, you, can, you, can, you can use it. It's free of charge. Just, just remember who brought it up. So um, today we're going to be talking about Nick Stone's debut novel, Dear Martin. Uh, you'll be familiar with Nick Stone. We interviewed her a couple of weeks ago. She is, um, I think, going to be huge. She's yeah, got she's, she's got incredible. Two more books in the works. She's she's so good. So we're discussing her debut novel, Dear Martin. It came out in October 2017. Um, quick content warning: This is a book that deals pretty heavily with racism and police brutality. So if that's something that you need to know your own boundaries about, know your own boundaries about it. Mm-hmm. If, however, you're somebody who feels uncomfortable about it because you are a cop and you don't like being called out on things, listen to it anyway. So, okay. <laughs> um, start off. Uh, general, general I felt, takeaways. I felt the yeah. book was good. I liked it a lot. I thought at first, I felt like I mean because the book is is not a, like a large. It's, it's like about two hundred something pages, mm-hmm. and I felt that the details that were coming in the first part they were just coming in like fast and furious, like really mm-hmm. quick. And then I thought the book really hit its stride in part two. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how in depth can we go in with plot points? We do spoilers. Okay. Mm-hmm. The idea is you that do people like a spoiler have. Warning. We don't. Well, we have like a, a constant spoiler warning sure. because the idea is that we have read the book. We assume the audience has read the book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So after so part two, once um, Justice's friend gets killed, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, once you go through the trial, once you start seeing all these details that you about like different stuff that Justice is going to that you think are insignificant, and they end up kind of get blown back in his face as kind of you know shots against his character and mm-hmm. and and the way he he's dealing with his uh, his crush SJ turned girlfriend mm-hmm. and dealing with his mom, how that all kind of unfolds in in, the, in part two. I thought that was really cool, and that really sold me on on the book. So, I, mm-hmm. as a general takeaway, I don't really have like a rating system or anything, but I thought it was a really solid read, and uh, it was my first finished book of, of 2018. I've been trying to get back on reading for a long time, so I'm actually really glad to not only be on this <laughs> podcast, but you guys kind of kicked me in the pants to start reading books. So, nice. I really appreciate that. Dear Martin is the first finished book I've I've done for 2018. Nice, congratulations! Yeah, thank you. Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, a, g- a good one for that. And I yes. think Nick Stone would be proud because she she talks about how she wrote it to be very readable. Mm-hmm. Um, like she was very interested in trying to write a book that would keep your attention with like the different formatting and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's pretty relatable to me too. I find. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that you have a a character who's in a situation where he's uh, dealing with racism and police brutality like th- those are obviously themes i can i can relate with on a level not necessarily to to his extremes but you know it's it's something i've seen before it's something that like i've i've known friends who've gone through that and i've gone through a certain extent to it myself mm-hmm. and uh and uh also with uh delving more into racism but also like dealing with the fact that he's going to like a mostly white school and yeah. dealing mm-hmm. with those not necessarily tensions but like it's it's kind of a weird thing when when you're like tokenized and you expect all these and these people kind of expect you to kind of follow these certain stereotypes and it's just like wow you're this black dude but you don't like basketball that's so weird like yeah so like stuff like that that's also kind of hit me a little mm-hmm. bit i was like wow this is this i literally feels like i'm like reading a book about like my life even the fact that he was writing it writing a whole section of the book is dedicated towards him writing stuff about martin luther king right like growing up that was like one of the first people i really like admired and was like learning about in like elementary school in the fourth grade i remember one teacher who was like a guidance counselor uh wanted me to read uh the i have a dream speech in front of everyone in elementary school and like i did that and i ended up doing that at a church like a couple weeks later and like that kind of kept following me for like a couple years after that, it's like, you're the kid who did the Martin Luther King Jr. speech in front of everybody. <laughs> so, like, Martin Luther King is, like, someone who's been, like, a part of me for, like, a long time. And, and, and how we spoke about nonviolence and turning the other mm-hmm. cheek and mm-hmm. preaching to see a day where, you know, we will see people by the content of their character and not by the color of their skin. And mm-hmm. we're in 2018, and while there has been some change towards that, we are not all the way around on that. And it's also mm-hmm. very infuriating when people use his points to say oh well we have gotten around all that martin luther king said this and you're like mm-hmm. are you serious like mm-hmm. you really gotta throw this in our way when it's not actually the case but yeah, yeah so all that to say uh not to spiel too long about it but no. dear martin was really uh i related to it on on a number of levels and i was really happy i got to read the book and it was a really good read so uh shout out nick stone she did a really good job yeah, yeah. um i actually had this bizarre singular experience for me where I read this as an audiobook which oh, yeah. I never do um and but I did just because of like what my life was looking like the week I had to read it and mm-hmm. um I had like the same experience you did where when I hit part 2 I was just like like what 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 this is all just kind of hit what yeah. just happened and then was was kind of like 
Yeah, it's just this incredible cascade of events through the whole mm-hmm. second half that ties everything together. And yeah, it's really, really real well written. Um, I know, Hannah, you had, we were talking yeah. earlier, and you had some mm-hmm. thoughts about how the uh, the letters affect the format and affect the storytelling. Oh, yeah. Um, um yeah, so I, I find the, I think the letters are really an interesting element, but I was I was thinking about them today as I was coming here on the bus and like what function they serve and what they do, and I think I think they they are really interesting kind of exploration of like how a kid deals with having to become an adult before they should have to become an adult, um, and because like. It seems to me like what Justice is doing with those letters is like he wants someone to tell him what to do and there's no one who can. And so he writes letters to the person who he wants to tell him what to do. Um, And it's this like really incredible tool of like showing what that's like, like what it's like to just like be in a situation that you shouldn't have to be in. Mm -hmm. And like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You had a point to finish. I I think I was saying and, and like what that feels like and like what that looks like yeah i was just about to say that i feel like he struggles with that theme of finding someone to talk to throughout the whole book right Mm -hmm. absolutely doc in a way tries to serve as that Mm -hmm. but i think there's some resistance with that early on but i Mm -hmm. think later on in the book there's like a whole there's a passage i like i see it in my head right now but i can't like list it out word for word where like yeah i think he's about to meet up with martel Mm -hmm. and he realizes Mm -hmm. like he could talk to SJ about this, but this doesn't work. His mom obviously is not working as well. Like he doesn't have Manny anymore. Like there are so mm-hmm. many people in his life that like he could think about like going to for for guidance, but like he really just can't. He, he, he yeah. already doesn't have a father, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah he it's a theme that he struggles with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one of the things I ended up doing actually, which I'm I'm so glad Hannah that you brought this up and then that you said that too, Julian. Okay, that was syntactically difficult. Um, is that uh. I have this like list in my notes that came up from thinking about authority and power, which is something mm-hmm. I was thinking about a lot in this, mm-hmm. of all the people who justice goes to being like, are you going to be the mentor I want? Are you going to be mm-hmm. the mentor I want? There's Dr. Dre, obviously, Doc, who's wonderful. Yeah. There's Mr. Rivers, to an extent, Manny's mm-hmm. dad. There's Marcel. Martel? Martel. Martel, Martel sorry. I had the audiobook, <laughs> um, and and there's Dr. Martin Luther King, and like mm-hmm. he's just kind of going through all these characters in his life, being like, somebody tell me how I'm supposed to deal with this. Yeah, um, and there's this really wonderful pivotal scene with Doc, where Doc kind of says, you know, like. I don't think you need to be writing to Martin Luther King. Like, I think you need to be asking what would Justice McAllister do in this situation, mm-hmm. not what would all of these other people in your life do in your situation. Yeah. That's um, hard, right? Yeah. I mean, this kid was like mm-hmm. 17 in the book. For yeah. him to be like, oh, crap, what do I as a 17-year-old do? That's hard. So, mm-hmm. of, of course, when you're when you're at a young age and, and you need that guidance, it's so easy to put that responsibility on like an older authority figure whether they are real in your life or you know and sorry i can't even speak english a historical figure right mm-hmm. like martin luther king also to that list of of uh, people yeah. who could be seen as, as people who could guide him i'd add kwan to the list absolutely yeah. so oh, the, yeah. the one-on-one convo yeah. with him uh in jail yeah. that i think definitely deserves to be on that list absolutely, absolutely. yeah um just building on what you were talking about, well, what you were both talking about, about 
Yeah, like he's 17, like, and trying to figure out what to do. There's a there's a brilliant quote that I really love uh, that's at the end of the, the very end of the novel that I want to share, which is... Um, so he this is at the end of Justice's last letter to mm-hmm. Martin. He says, but knowing you are my age gives me hope that maybe I've got some time to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I think that's really... Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's pretty resonating. Yeah. resonating. Yeah. That moment of realizing that your, like, role models weren't always adults. Yeah, <laughs> and weren't. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, that even people that you see as kind of the pinnacle of what you want to be were your age and were not those people at that age. Right. Yeah. And they have their own struggles. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, sorry, we can edit that enormous pause out where my brain just glitched. <laughs> um, That's what Tom is good so at. I, I just kind of paused for a minute because I had two places I wanted to go with this. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, one of the things that I do want to talk about is this idea of double lives or of two worlds, which Julian, you mm-hmm. alluded to at the beginning, and um, which I think does segue with uh, Justice's search for role models because he really does look at all the different paths he has like he Mm -hmm. he he looks at really kind of every available path that he could take Mm -hmm. in responding to the unbelievable shit life is dealing out to him Mm -hmm. and um I think I I think it really adds to the story that he seriously considers every option available to him he doesn't Mm -hmm. rule anything out um But you see more than just Justice kind of living in the two worlds. You see Manny to an extent. Mm -hmm. You see Doc to an extent. Like, really, you get the uh, this idea of having conflicting paths in life or parallel and not necessarily conflicting. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'd just love to, like, get into that a little bit. I'm interested in that. I I guess I kind of see it in a way where, like, maybe what I was alluding to earlier where, like, you know, I guess coming up as an African-American or African-Canadian in my case, I guess, like, mm-hmm. you, in spaces where you, you go into spaces that are, like, predominantly white and, like, they s- kind of see you in a certain way. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily know what you're all about. It feels like you can be in a completely different world that's kind of foreign to your own and you're kind of just kind of living up to that. I also mm-hmm. think to, to that extent, too, I think uh, Manny's dad has probably also experienced this mm-hmm. oh, as yeah. well mm-hmm. um, versus being among yourself and and being among people who are from your culture that it's I I don't know if that's what you were trying to necessarily go along but I think like that's when I think of Mm -hmm. characters going through those two worlds I I, I, that's that's what's something that that kept me thinking about like Manny and and, and Justice and Mm -hmm. some of the uh, the the black the majority of the black characters in the Mm -hmm. uh, I mean think about the fact that like Justice you know the fact that he's you know the fact like Quan and and all the like the gang members at one point they kind of interact at one point Mm -hmm. like you know that's that's that could be, it's not necessarily a background that he came from, but I think for a lot of black people, they always have they sometimes have those sides, and then they have mm-hmm. to go to those spaces where they're not necessarily dominant. I hope I'm making sense here. Man. I have oh, yeah. so many thoughts. From this book. Just go, just <laughs> just go with yeah, them. Man, like, yeah, and, and I, yeah, I mean, in a way, I like we call it code switching, where okay. like. Mm-hmm. You're on black people, you you might speak a certain way, you might say certain things, and then you're on you're on like different people who aren't you, mostly white people. You act differently, maybe. But uh, yeah, I feel like I couldn't help but think about that particular theme throughout throughout mm-hmm. the book, and I think that like mm-hmm. characters like Justice and Manny, even Manny even mentions at one point 
that like he's like scared of like black women yeah and i was like wow like that's like that's that was like really interesting for him because he's and he and the way that he feels so comfortable in those like white spaces and mm-hmm. guys like jared and, and and blake and all those guys like that definitely like happens and like that's somebody who like is really like into that space but definitely so many people who like jump back and forth i i think of that as myself as someone okay. who like you know mm-hmm. went to like a predominantly like all white school uh pretty much through like high school through like university pretty mm-hmm. much and then like the only time i the few times i was in spaces where it was like all right just like just black people it's, it's church it's my own home it's my own, like family that's where i'm picking up like that's where i'm learning really like getting immersed in my own culture that's where i'm mm-hmm. learning about like what's cool in like black culture or anything like that mm-hmm. and then i bring that over to like cross over to the other side and everyone's all like oh whoa you know about like those like cool dances and stuff like oh yeah it's, it's like <laughs> so weird but like <laughs> yeah. there's a lot yeah. but there is a lot of that but there's a lot of that and like yeah sorry i'm gonna like yeah. stop rambling now but, like, no, oh, no, my God, no. This, like, is, ah. this is great <laughs> yeah but um, that's what i thought you meant when you were saying that there was like the two worlds thing i'm not sure yeah. if that's what you meant i i just wanted to hear more about what you meant when you like alluded <laughs> to it yeah <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. That, that's pretty much what yeah. i i i thought of but mm-hmm. uh yeah well i think you've been like picking up on on manny's dad you mentioned manny's dad who is mm-hmm. such a great character who really really gets fleshed out in the second half of the book Mm -hmm. um who has a very prestigious job who has uh quite a lot of money who has Mm -hmm. quite a lot of status um jared who's one of manny's white friends who's just such a little asshole Mm -hmm. um he redeems anyway we can get into that but yeah but he uses him as an example of why, like, affirmative action isn't necessary and we're racially yeah. equal. And if you work hard enough, all of you will be this very mm-hmm. wealthy man with a lot of when status. That's not exactly the case. Yeah. Yeah. Jer- like, it's like, Manny's dad is richer than my dad. Therefore, racism's not a thing. Yeah. It's yeah, essentially yeah. Jared's thesis. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. But um, it's a good thing Manny didn't get into Yale. <laughs> um, but Mr. Rivers then loses his job for protesting his son's murder. Mm-hmm. Which like, <laughs> I got so angry at that part. Yeah, and so angry. But like, what a great example of how it's not the same. No, <laughs> it's just not. Um, For his own kid too. It's one yeah. thing if it was a situation where he just happened to be at this protest. He then then and all of a sudden, like he, no one knew he had any clue. No one had any clue this person was associated with any type of protest. But this was over his son dying yeah yeah and he still gets to lose his job i was yeah. so angry yeah oh anyway please yeah. Just, yeah just go i'm just gonna like um, ramble about a whole bunch of shit and i'm just gonna like take over this whole please podcast. do <laughs> no i don't want to do that i don't want to do, okay, do that don't do that I don't um do that. this podcast is rage friendly though absolutely so. i think uh, this this is a week of rage anyway yeah i was uh channeling some political rage into being like i'm gonna take like all the f- notes I already broke my swearing rule on this podcast, so. Oh, oh we, we swear. We that, yeah, have, it's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Like, I try not to, but I already yeah. said shit, Fair. so. That's okay. <laughs> we, we have a rule that, like, we will match the swearing that's in the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think next week we won't be able to swear, probably. But Oh, like, probably yeah. not. Yeah, we're reading Ooh. a middle grade book next week, Ooh, so. <laughs> preview in the next one. Nice. Um, I mean, I think what I ended up engaging with the most in, in the notes I was taking and prepping mm-hmm. is... Um, Ideas of power, ideas yeah. of authority, mm-hmm. ideas of like who gives authority and, and where does power come from. Yeah. And these are really 
big terms. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I was thinking about it largely uh, um, around the institution of the police. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I was thinking about authority and I was thinking about power and I looked up the definition of both of them and I I hated the definition I got. Okay. Um, Which is that power is the ability or potential of an individual to influence others and control their actions. Authority is the legal and formal right to give orders and commands. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I don't like because it's very institution-based, and I think that authority is given by a lot more than just institutions. Yeah, I think I think you could I think you could expand on that definition and say like the like what it says it's given by legal. And so I think you could say social as well. The legal and formal right to give orders and commands and take decisions. Mm, this I was is from keydifferences.com. It was just the first <laughs> Google result. I would say like legal and formal and like social right. Right. Um, because like definitely authority does come from from legal institutions and that sort of thing but it also comes from from social systems Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean obviously like I was thinking about this very uh, specifically (laughs) in the context of the authority to take life yeah Um, and I mean I think we can look at taking life both in in the concept of murder Mm -hmm. uh, and in imprisonment um, restraining because justice gets uh, wrongfully um, arrested at the very beginning of the mm-hmm. book, and then obviously there's a, an off-duty cop who um, tries to kill him and his friend, yeah. and succeeds with one of them. Um, and the story really changes once the media breaks that this was an off-duty cop. Mm-hmm. That really yeah. changes the story around it, um, and we get uh, a lot of media clips during that period, which is a really, mm-hmm. really powerful writing technique that Nick Stone uses. Yeah, <laughs> that was really good on her part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other, the other detail that I think is is interesting in this conversation that, um, unless I'm misremembering, but I don't think I am, is that the the cop who 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 arrests Justice the first time is killed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. And Justice meets with the person who is suspected of killing him, who is just in jail um, right. under, like, fairly, like, loose suspicion. So you, right. that's interplays with everything else right. as well. The difference um, in, in how... The difference in how those two deaths are treated. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, absolutely. Yeah, and it's interesting to see... One thing I interest. I want to go back on the uh, how the author kind of writes about the different kind of news clippings mm-hmm. and seeing some of the quotes and seeing how people... Like, there's, like, one in particular where they... All these people start, like, protest over, like, race baiting and stuff like that. I thought that was really interesting as well. And, and it gets me thinking about how uh, in situations like that where, you know, it's police brutality and involve cops. And it's really interesting how we obviously have people who will side with the slain victim and, and families and bring up mm-hmm. the issue of police brutality. But the fraternity of the police and how all those people will side with the police officer and say, well, those mm-hmm. are my brothers and they will never do anything wrong. And, you know, this person was dressed like this. Of course they had to shoot. Mm-hmm. It kind of bothers me in a little bit of a way. And I mean, I don't know if to us, I don't think to a certain extent it was necessarily in that book, but that did make me think of those themes. Particularly. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the fraternity of the police absolutely comes up because it turns out that, Officer Castillo, the police officer who wrongfully arrested Justice uh, and was later killed, um, was the partner of yes, Officer Tyson who right. shoots Manny. You're absolutely and right. there's absolutely this sense. I mean, I certainly got this sense from the media of like, 
well, his partner got shot by a black kid, so it's fine that he shot a black kid, which is, you know, uh, uh, unbelievable when you just say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this happens, like, yeah. way too many times. Yeah. And they also bring in that, like, so many, like, a bunch of other kids throughout the book get killed at the hands of, of law enforcement. Yeah. Those get mm-hmm. sprawled throughout the book as well. Yeah. And, like, it's scary to think that like, we always help. These, these things happen all the time. And we keep saying, well, we can't have another black kid get killed at the hands of police. And then every year, there's just another list of kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The police are like, you want to bet? Like, <laughs> it's just, it's just frustrating. Yeah. You know? Yeah. With, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I saw a tweet while I was preparing for this uh, from, just incidentally, I checked my Twitter feed and it was there and I was like, oh shit, um, from Jabuki Young White, who is a writer for American Vandal and Big Mouth. Um, tweeted, white men who ruin lives are punished less than black children who can't sit still. It, it happens. Like the, yep. the kid who holds mm-hmm. a candy bar that kind of looks like a gun appears more yeah. threatening because they wear like a, a black hoodie. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, I've got to say I've worn a black hoodie for about 10 years and the police have never shot me. So like I, <laughs> I, I came into the studio wearing a black hoodie, yeah. uh, but like I've. I've had moments where I thought, like, I don't know if I should be wearing a black hoodie. I, I don't know how my mom, like, some, like my mom would always be like, hey, you know, don't wear your put over your head, right? Like, mm-hmm. little warnings like that just to make yourself not threatening to the police. Like, that's stuff that I've had to deal with, like, my whole mm-hmm. life. And, like, I'm not, I don't appear to be a threat to anybody, but I but, don't know. But, right, like, yeah. Who do you serve? Who do you protect? If like people on the street mm-hmm. are terrified of the cops and are to being protect like, the people, right? Yeah. And I think, and I still think that like cops do that, but I mm-hmm. also think that they, when they make those mistakes like that, yeah, it's really hard sometimes to trust the police. This also makes me think of the one, the one incident on my mind. I mean, it wasn't bad, but like it still made me think. Right? Like I remember this one day in the middle of the day, like years ago. Mm-hmm. like walking home from school and this like cop car was like driving like right by me mm-hmm. and like i was like oh it's just like a cop car and then like it drives off and then it circles back like around where i'm at and i'm like what the hell's going on is this cop and this cop pulls up right in front of this house that's like mm-hmm. a couple feet behind me so of course i'm like seeing the action that's like going i'm trying to figure out what's going on i turn mm-hmm. around like what the hell's going on mm-hmm. and this cop comes out and he sees me looking at him and he's like oh yo don't worry about it it's not you and i'm like whoa like okay i kind of chuckled a little bit i was like all right that's interesting that like you straight up would just be like yo it's not you and then like i was like yeah like oh okay whatever i'll try to like walk away and he's like it's always a black guy right and then he like walks off and like does his job and i always think like that was like too meta that was too like self-aware you know what i'm saying like it's not as bad it's like i'm not trying to say my experience was as bad as like someone getting like held up at a stop or someone getting like gunned down but that's just that that will always stay in my mind because that just tells me that like the police know this yeah. is an issue yeah that's all i'm gonna say yeah so i will always think about that whenever i come across like issues of police brutality right so yeah. they know mm-hmm. they know yeah yeah it's on them to change it yeah mm-hmm. i don't mean to make the mood sour no the kid's nickname is J Mac. that's why you wanted me on this podcast right yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, that was, that was kind of what sealed it for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 that's it. That also made me think, like, wow, this kid is literally me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
likes a yeah. white girl nicknamed J-Mac. <laughs> uh, this is literally me. Like, geez. Thanks, Taffer. <laughs> I, I, I got to say, when you were over here last night and you were like just like talking about all the ways that it was like hitting you really hard at home i was like i did not think this through it's i like, should have like damn. given you a warning like but, yeah, damn. <laughs> but no it was good it's cool because i don't mm-hmm. get to come across too many stories like that brought mm-hmm. the way that they were put out through through a book like that mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. and not even just like oh this is just like a story of a black kid getting dealing with police brutality but like a kid who's like well off and like issues like racial identity and, and stuff. There's mm-hmm. so many like cool themes that like kind of yeah. like appeal to me. That I was like, wow, this is a really mm-hmm. cool book, and I'm glad that someone has has put those words to mm-hmm. to paper and for people yeah. to read. And people generally enjoyed it. So yeah, I'm really mm-hmm. glad I got to read this book. Yeah, Nick Stone has said that it's she great. wrote it for her sons because mm-hmm. she yeah. has two little boys, mm-hmm. and and around you know the time when just. So many black kids were getting gunned down in the streets by police. Uh, mm-hmm. She decided she wanted to write it for her mm-hmm. kids. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that gives it a power. Like, yeah. That's it. Yeah. 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 And, and, again, I mean, I, I'm not, I wasn't there for the interview with, with Nick, but you guys mm-hmm. did a great job for it. And uh, I would, if I could say anything to Nick, I'd be like, thank you for writing this book. This was, this was really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we touched briefly before on Jared <laughs> and mm-hmm. on uh, um, the microaggressions. We've been talking about the yeah. macroaggressions right. a lot in this book, but I do want to get into some of the stuff that does happen in like part one and um, mm-hmm. the things that build to the big yes. climax. Right. Um, and I think, I mean, Jared is a really interesting character because he is um, just so awful through so much of the book. Yeah. and and then kind of turns around Mm -hmm. in a way but like i don't know i don't know what you guys think what you guys think of jared Uh, do you want to tackle this one hannah first you go ahead Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i mean i think we have to talk about what happens with him at the end which is yeah um so yeah he's 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 just he's just awful the whole book. Um he's it's it's him who who his his he's talking about how racism doesn't exist because because Manny's richer than me. Yeah. Um and also throws a shit fit when Justice gets into Yale and yeah. he doesn't. Yes, on right. early oh, admission. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah he so he <laughs> he just he is microaggressions up the wazoo. Um, and he, yeah, um, he, well, he's the classic, I'm not racist because my best friend is black. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's this scene at the very end of the book where, uh, where Justice goes to, to the cemetery, um, and Jared is also there and they have a conversation and I don't know if redemption is the right word, but it is, it is sort of a redemption arc. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, or at least on the surface, it, or it, there's hope. There's there's elements of it. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Does Jared apologize? I don't think Jared I don't apologizes. Think he formally apologizes. No. But I think in a way he kind of acknowledges that his worldview has changed yes. as a result of going to school and justice offering him to like a chance to like hang out at a later date is Mm -hmm. his way of kind of extending an olive branch to him and like in a way like reading that i was like wow holy crap like that 
happened he got his chance to redeem himself Mm -hmm. but i also think that like i think that's i I thought of an instance where like someone did like someone basically said the n-word behind my back like a couple (laughs) years ago i feel like i'm just projecting a lot of myself onto this podcast but like that happened a couple years ago and the person got suspended and the person like apologized to me over like facebook and stuff and instead of just saying like all right i'm just gonna harbor this grudge over this person Mm -hmm. and i just like i don't feel like i I don't want to say i let it go but i feel like i forgave the person Mm -hmm. we're not like close friends but like if i see the person like it's 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 all good Mm -hmm. all that to say like i i kind of wrestled over the last few years especially I kind of wrestled with that, thinking like, "Wow, is it like okay that I did that? Like, should I have? Should I be like condemning this person? Should I be like, like you know, calling this person out on social media if I ever see them? Like, should I be like, yeah, like I don't know, I didn't know." And then seeing that at the end made me think like, oh, "Okay, so this person kind of applied a Martin Luther King principle of like, of again, like yeah. nonviolence and then being peaceful and turning the other cheek," mm-hmm. and. While some people might disagree with it, I was like, you know what? I can totally relate to this. And maybe it is okay. Maybe it's a case-by-case situation. But mm-hmm. maybe if you feel that, you know, you want to... If this, if you feel a person has realized the error of their ways, mm-hmm. maybe you can give that person that second mm-hmm. chance. And I'm not saying that, like, maybe everyone should do it. But, like, it can be something... It could be a pathway you could consider. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's how that ending scene made me feel. I also felt I felt weird at the onset, but then I started to think of personal right. events in my yeah. life that made me think, okay, I understand why he did what he did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I might be remembering wrong, but didn't Jared also when um, the media found the photos of the Halloween party and tried to use them as like to, oh, to smear yeah. Martin's or Justice's yeah. <laughs> character. Um, didn't, didn't he also try to stop that? And yeah. like, he couldn't because it was a story and it was in the media. But yeah. Yes. I forgot yeah. of that. He, yeah. he tried to like put, he tried to give the media the full picture and make sure yeah. the whole picture got published, including yeah. his friend dressed as a Klansman. Like, what the hell, man? Why are you going along with those kids? That's a bad idea. Yeah. Justice and Manny, that's a bad, bad idea. Like, do you, like, you see a guy wearing a hood, do you, like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like, how do you let that be okay yeah. in any con- in any circumstance? Like, mm-hmm. it's one, oh, my God. Like, I was looking at these kids, like, dressing, like, when they were describing how these kids were like dressing, I was like, "Oh, we're gonna go as a band of stereotypes." I was like, "Are you serious, bro? <laughs> never a good oh, idea. Never, <laughs> never a good idea." Yeah. But like, come on, man. But again, when you're in those spaces where like you know you 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 you're mm-hmm. you're kind of alone, you're the minority, but you also kind of want to fit in and you want to have everyone be your friend. Like mm-hmm. that happens to a lot of people. Oh, you know, yeah. where they're just like, you know what? I'm just going to go along. They're my friends. They're just going to. Mm-hmm. Manny does that a lot where he's like, yeah, hey, yeah. you know, those guys are my friends. You know, they didn't mean it at first. And it takes him a while to realize, like, you know what? Like, these guys really don't give a damn about me, yeah. you mm-hmm. know. But, yeah, that that happens a lot. Yeah. So, like, well, and damn, as, this book was good. Especially <laughs> with the detail of the the KKK costume being genuine. Yeah. He's like, it's the genuine article. It was my grandfather's. Does he straight up 
say it. I think your grandfather just or like, imply it. I think Did I miss that? I think it's just heavily implied yeah. that it is a family heirloom. It, it's very implied that it's like a real one that he probably got from a family member <laughs> who was a clansman, or possibly is a clansman because yeah. his house also contains a collection oh, right. of, um, like racist shit. Yeah. Like, if your friend has family that are in the clan, he can't be your friend anymore. Yep. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. How, how, what? Do schools not do, like, background checks on these kids? No, they're very rich. Yeah. <laughs> but damn, well, a lot of those, like, clans people are rich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I assume David Duke has quite a bit of money. Isn't he very dead by now? I don't know if he's dead. I don't know. Surely in Charlotte's, just, when Charlottesville was going on, he was very he much was alive. Oh, no, David, no, yes, no, that was a brain, yeah, of course, he is alive, and he is probably very rich, yes. Yes, probably. Yes, yeah, no, like, institutional racism is a legacy in many, many families. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As, like, made material in this book by the passed down clanhood and the passed down collection of racist artifacts, which... They brush off by being like, oh, yeah, my mom just collects this. It's like antiquing. And it's like, okay. Burn it. What? <laughs> Don't keep that. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. so if someone tries to come up to me now and be like, yeah, so I have this, like, racist, like, heirloom. I just want to, like, keep it in, like, my 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 drawers you know just just to show that this thing like burn that man i don't want to yeah. see that don't put that in my face like yeah. are you kidding me bro like well it's like this bruh. this like this shit around confederate monuments right do we take no. down confederate monuments and like i know um i know up for discussion talked about this in a recent episode actually a little bit um but like the thing with monuments to confederate generals or whatever shit it is Mm -hmm. is that the monument is up because they were giant racists like this isn't about a monument to somebody who like did some cool shit and also did some bad shit like this is about like this dude terrible person killed a lot of people in defense of institutionalized racism so we're gonna give him a statue (laughs) like that sounds like a great idea I don't get mad when people vandalize those. No, nope. no, we should be blowing them up. I don't I, get mad. I don't. I don't even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, have to let that one go. So, but I think it's really significant that, like, like the the microaggression, right? The kid in the dumb Halloween costume and the mm-hmm. stupid, dangerous Halloween costume. Yeah. That. That should be as infuriating. Like that should mm-hmm. make us as mad as yeah. as black kids getting shot for being black, mm-hmm. because it's all part of the same it's system. All the exact same yeah. system. Yeah. We have to ma- ensure that when we see that stuff, that we remain angry and we don't just be apathetic to all mm-hmm. of it and just think like, oh, well, there goes a white kid being stupid. That just happens every day. Oh, there goes yeah. a black kid getting shot. That happens every day. It's important <laughs> that we remain angry. And we call that out when we see it and bring mm-hmm. attention to it when we see it. So that way we can find a way to, sh- to I'll swear, shut that shit down. So Yeah. Absolutely. That, Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it has become, like, so common, like, mm-hmm. we, we can't let it be normal. Word. Yeah. This is something we talk about a lot is, like, how do yeah. we acknowledge that something is normal and also say this should not be normal. This cannot this, be normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's important that we stay angry. Thank you, Julian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, about all about all we have time for today. I feel like this whole discussion just kind um, of flew by really quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of went into like a mini rage thing and like time just kind of sped off like <laughs> 20 minutes further. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This episode was brought to you by the letter rage. There we um. go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Julian, thank you so much. Thank you very much for here. having me mm-hmm. on this episode. I Hopefully I was not too overbearing no, or anything like that. Perfect. Hopefully I made sense yeah. with half the stuff I was saying. Oh, you did. Absolutely. And- yeah thank you so much thank you um any any closing thoughts anything we didn't Mm -hmm. Um, hit on i don't know i feel like i feel like if we want to go through like more in-depth stuff we could do like a three-hour podcast on this but i also think that we we definitely went through a lot of the uh the finer details Mm -hmm. throughout the story and i really just think it's a really good read yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. agree so uh, that's Dear Martin by Nick Stone. Mm-hmm. Read it now because her next book is coming out on October 8th and you're going to want to read that one too. Yeah. So uh, yeah, get get your hands on a copy of it. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Yeah Podcast and individually at Tuffer Bear and at the Balesosaurus. And Julian, what is your Twitter name? J-K-A-M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. It's J-K-A McKenzie. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. I have so much trouble with the word pad, pa- pat, Patreon. Patreon. Is it? Pa- it's, it's, it's Patreon? It's Patreon. Think it's about Patreon. it. Think about it. Pay. This and pay patron. Is the first yeah. Go. Pay, pay first syllable. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts and by sharing this episode with a friend. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Sass. And we're the host of The Last Stretch, a sports podcast. It's a podcast where we're going to talk about, well, sports. Specifically, what we do look at is what makes an athlete be the best that they can be. So not only do we talk to some athletes, but we talk to the people behind the athletes, from trainers to sports psychologists, you name it, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about other issues revolving sports as well, hot button issues like concussions, maybe doping. Give us a listen. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Candace Pye, and I'm the host of Gal Chat, a weekly podcast where we give you our feminist takes on everything from sex and dating to politics and pop culture. It's a show that updates you on controversial headlines, dives into the latest movies and TV, and discusses things like Tinder troubles and Me Too struggles. I put out a new show every Tuesday with special guests, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Subscribe, rate, review, and follow us on social media at Gal Chat Pod.